Hey, Stranger Rangers, this is Bree. This is Patina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. All right, everyone. We are getting ready for the holidays. Uh, We're back. I I love that. We're back. Um, Yes, we've showered. No, we're just double. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Have not. It's fine. Still not Thanksgiving. Everything's fine. Um, (laughs) We're back. We're recording a little back-to-back episodes today so we can get some stuff out for you guys. Um, We're going to try and get this out uh, early for Patreons. Yes. Um, So that if you are cooking and you needed some more cases to listen to Mm -hmm. you've got another one so if you're a patreon hello early here we are (laughs) you know so i mean you say that about cooking and i think that that's when i listen to the majority of my true crime shows is when i'm in the kitchen cooking for sure that's what i do it 100 percent you would think that that would be like the weirdest time to listen, but chopping um, shit up and yeah, <laughs> getting all Dahmer with it. No, I, nothing like that. <laughs> I um, that's my new commute time. Yes, that's my new drive. So mm-hmm. instead of you know forty fifty minutes each way now, that's my cooking time. Is like my Zen time now. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm giving a sourdough a sourdough starter a, a, a go. We're gonna see how that plays I, out. I just got one too. Did you? Yes. Yeah. Oh sourdough, man. Sourdough. Yeah. So Aaron, excited. Aaron, my uh, sister-in-law's wife, brought one over to me last night, and I was telling her all these things because I saw this lady's um, page, and she was making like sourdough pancakes, sourdough cinnamon rolls, brownies. Oh, brownies. Oh man. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I had one a long time ago and I totally neglected it. And I was like, huh, that was a lovely thought, but let's be realistic. Yeah. But now I'm feeling at a good place with like motherhood <laughs> and I'm like, babe, Saturdays are the day that our house is going to smell amazing. So yeah. I'm really excited yeah. about that. That's Same. funny that you got one this week too. Did okay. you name yours? I didn't know you were supposed to, I guess I yeah. should come up with one. Um, okay, let me think about it. Yeah, and I'll... ours is Genesis. Um, everything starts from that. That's that's what I was, yeah. But... And then a lot of people go with Eva or Eve, sorry, like Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. everything comes from her, right? It's great. We're we're now we can do sourdough talks. This is great. Join us for sourdough and true crime, yes, <laughs> and make sure to bring the butter. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for like a cheddar jalapeno loaf. You don't even know. Oh. Mm. Okay. Now my mouth is watering. Okay. Yeah. Now okay. I'm mad that I haven't planned anything uh, for uh, dinner. Uh, I might just go to the store and buy a loaf of sourdough and that's uh, going to be Sourdough is so good. Okay. So good. Okay. Enough so, about food. Let's talk about murder. If you're listening to us on the regularly scheduled program, this is the week after Thanksgiving. Yes. So we are waddling turkeys now. Mm-hmm. And see, I'm off of work this that week. So 
I don't know, probably just couch potatoing it up. So hope you had a good Thanksgiving. If you are listening to us on the 27th, um, but here we go. So today's episode, again, this is a double recording, so we are hyped up right now, but um, <laughs> we, we are warmed up. We are ready to go. So the second episode or this episode is about Veronica Youngblood. Youngblood is her married last name. Okay. Um, Veronica is from Argentina. And she grew up in poverty. I can, I don't know many of the details, but it definitely sounds like she had a hard time when she was growing up. Mm-hmm. By the age of 16, she was pregnant with her first kid, who she named Sharon. And at that time, um, it sounds like from even a younger age, she had been the victim of sexual assault from her grandfather oh my gosh and her mother was not in the picture she also had a sister so both her and her sister lived with her grandparents and they both uh, suffered from sexual assault from her grandfather and not only that but also physical abuse verbal abuse Mm. mental abuse from the grandfather um and mix all this with poverty it's just a shit show of a childhood for totally So they, she had no other way or resources and she found sex work as a means for her to get money and help both her and her sister try and get out of that situation. Sure. So in 2007, um, she was in Argentina and Ronald Youngblood was stationed in Buenos Aires. He was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And he became a customer of hers for sex okay, work. Okay, sure. And from that blossomed a relationship, which That's is great. Me too. Like Fleet Week came around and she found herself a <laughs> hubby. I love that for Veronica. You get that girl. So um he loved her. He fell in love with her. Um, you know was totally fine with her having a kid already and they dated for some time and she you know he petitioned for her to come over to the U.S. with her when he was moved back in Mm -hmm. 2009 um, they went to Las Vegas and they got married love that little white chapel little white chapel wedding in Las Vegas I don't know if Elvis was there but um, if I was getting married in Vegas you bet your ass he'd be Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you're doing Vegas, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to. <laughs> you have the to. The king must be in attendance. He could marry. I mean, yeah, I would have him marry. Um, so because of his job, he traveled a lot. Sure. Um, but they still found some time, and in 2012, uh, Veronica became pregnant with what would be their first kid together, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm which is, I love that name, Brooklyn, for a girl. It's so cute. So now, some time has gone past. Um, This is around 2017 now. And she has her first daughter, Sharon, who's 15. Sharon is a 
thriving young lady. She's in high school. She is a competitive figure skater. She's in cheer and high school. And she also loves singing. Her friends loved her. She's, you know, very pretty girl. Yeah. Um, And then you got five-year-old Brooklyn, who is like uber smart, super cute little baby. She loves animals. We don't know much else about her because she's five, right? Sure. But there are posts that the Doug, the dad, um, Ronald, posted of her, and she just seems like a you know pretty cute little toddler just running around and, and just being adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, throughout their entire relationships, uh, there is reports that Ron and Veronica had a tumultuous relationship where there okay. was both verbal and possible physical abuse between both of them um and i don't know if that's um just because she's a latina (laughs) just (laughs) spicy as shit um but obviously she has a history of um she had a dark history i'm sure that probably resurfaced when it came to relationships so I was going to say probably, unfortunately, because of her upbringing, right. DV is where she maybe found some form of comfort because right. that's all that she knew. That's all that she knew, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like it wasn't just her to him, that it was also him to her. Sure. Um, so it was kind of a mutual toxic relationship. They did move around a bit because of his job. And he was stationed in Honduras in 2014 for a good time. Okay. And while they were in Honduras, there she ended up calling the police because of an argument that they had. Um, and some friends of Ron say that he had just found out that she had been cheating. And mm. that's what started the argument, mm-hmm. which you bet your ass it's going to start an argument. Um, and she... She said, I believe she alleged that she struck him. Sorry, that he struck her during this argument. Um, And after this uh, encounter, Ron became even more controlling in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was trying to control her and abuse her in like non-traditional ways of DV. And I say that because... Um, not everyone knows this or is aware of this that like financial abuse is abuse oh totally yeah so, he didn't let her have any control of nope. any money yeah he denied her access to all of the money he wouldn't have access wouldn't let her have access to transportation so I don't know if that meant he like took the keys for the cars with him for the day and whatnot but he still that was his way of controlling her yeah um If you're out there and you don't know this, um, very interesting. I mean, financial abuse is real. (laughs) Totally. Um, And it goes both ways, too. It's Mm -hmm. not just men to women. It's women to men as well. Money is a it is a point of contention for some couples. And and it um, hopefully you're not going through that. But totally it's 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 a it's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So after this fight and after her time in oh, spending some time in Honduras, she actually went to the U.S. embassy. So I can only assume that she was probably a naturalized citizen at this point because of his status and that he had probably petitioned for her to move over. And she had been in the U.S. for some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so she went to the U.S. embassy in Honduras and asked them for help to move back to the U.S. without him while he gotcha. was still stationed there. 
and they granted her this. Um, so she moved back to Virginia where they had been living together at that point. Um, and she started the process of divorce. Okay. It sounds like they're toxic, right? Right. For they're at, for each other at each other. In 2016, um, they were still living together. Wow. So they were still either either making it work or just like, you know, pretending like nothing was happening or just thinking that their way of living was normal for some sure. reason. Um, there was because they had been processing through the divorce. Um, and I think this comes in stages. I'm not sure about the divorce process, but I think it comes in, in you know, different uh, chunks of parts of it. So the court had already ordered that they can continue to live together. They had come to that agreement, but there would be no spousal payments or spousal support to be paid because mm-hmm. he was paying still for her to live under that roof and no child support to be paid because the kid was still in the house. That makes um, and, sense. And I say that because it's only because of Brooklyn, of course, because he had, I don't think that there was any official adoption or anything of Sharon by Ron. So Brooklyn was the kid in custody in question for this. Right. Okay. So in October of 2016, he, Ron, so this is still the same year, 2016, Ron ended up filing a protective order against veronica oh wow and she was ordered to move out because he alleged that she threw water all on his laptop and i could only assume that as much as he travels and as much as he's trusted in his job that's probably pretty important laptop for him probably um threw his phone in the toilet and keyed his car oh dang so she was ordered to stay 500 feet away from ron and brooklyn their baby daughter and brooklyn yep so in october on october 31st of 2016 the divorce was finalized okay i don't know what happened 2016 to 2018 okay but by 2018 on march of 2018 they filed a petition together to the court saying that they wanted to move to Missouri. I believe he was going to be stationed there next and that she, Veronica would get her own apartment that was 20 or 30 miles away from the station. So she would still have joint custody with Ron for Brooklyn. So I think the initial protective order either expired or was lifted between those two years sure and at that point the petition that they had filed ron said that yes she would get her own apartment and he would pay for rent for the next three years until she found herself steady work or got back on her feet herself wow that's um, a very generous offer very generous offer yeah so that was march okay on april 13th 2018 Veronica changed her mind. She went to the court and told them and petitioned and uh, said in her petition that she was offered a job in Virginia. From what I understand and what I gathered, it sounded like she was in nursing. Oh, okay. So she was offered a job in Virginia, which was going to be pretty, was going to set her up financially. She was going to be able to get her own place finally by herself. Uh, 
But along with this petition, she requested full custody of Brooklyn, meaning that she wouldn't mm. be, that Brooklyn wouldn't be going to Missouri with Ron. Right. The court took a look at this and said, nope, I am not going to grant any of these changes to happen because you both petitioned to move to Missouri together. You were all in agreement. You would have joint custody. You would have an apartment there that was paid for you. You're going to have to abide by this first order that was granted. Yeah, you're now not going to stay behind and then have full custody of the child that you had already agreed to have joint custody. Yes. Of. So, um, and and this was fascinating to me because I luckily don't um, know firsthand the process of either a divorce or custodial issues. Sure. Um, and if anyone out there knows what, I mean, because these seem like... Uh, all the communication has to go through a judge, right? So I don't know if you have like a, a judge that stays with you that mm. settles this kind of these this these kind of these disputes for you mm-hmm. um, as the custodial parent, you know, of of a of a kid, right? Um, or obviously, family court. I think it's just it just runs different than like a criminal court. I would imagine so, so, probably. So all these filings, I say that because this is what I found, but I don't know if there's any other names for them or any other specific, uh, you know, filing names that they that they go under. But this is just what I found that, you know, they were petitioning for access or, or requests that were being made. But this last request that she made was not granted. Gotcha. She was told, nope, you can't change what was already put in place. So 10 days later, uh, on April 23rd, 2018, Ron submitted to the court. He filed where the new address would be in Missouri and confirmed that the move was scheduled for sometime in mid-August. Okay. So about four months from that time. Right. But this is, but this is what I mean where I don't know why he had to file that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just interesting to me because I, I don't know that that process, but it sounds like you have to make them aware of changes like that. Um, I mean, it would make sense, especially when you're dealing with the um, whereabouts of a minor. And I think that's what it comes down to. I think that's that's exactly right. Where it's like they they have to know that the child is safe, being taken care of, where yes. they're going to be living, that there's a roof over their head, that it's stable. You know all these things. Mm-hmm. So I think because of that, the court acts like a mediator or like a a keeper of information to make sure that it's all up to date and that they have it ready if ever needed. But a hundred percent. So he had advised the court that they were going to be moving in mid-August. Um, so from April to August, be about four months, give or take. So some time went by, like, you know, that's summertime. Um, August 5th rolls around. And this is when Veronica uh, just kind of lost it. Um, the police received a call later in the evening from Sharon, from 15-year-old little Sharon. She was out of breath. She was crying. 
and she told the the dispatcher that her mom had just shot her. Has shot her? Yeah. Sharon? Yes. What? Okay. She said, she said that her mom came into the room that her and her little sister Brooklyn were sleeping in and told them that she was going to take them to see God before shooting them. Stop. So the police show up to their home and find that little five-year-old Brooklyn was in her bed with a fatal gunshot wound to the back of her head. Oh my God. I, I can't. (laughs) Sharon was found with a gunshot wound to the back and another gunshot wound to her chest. She was barely hanging on. They rushed her to the hospital. And a couple days later, although they tried everything under the sun, she unfortunately did not survive. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, Veronica was found the very same night on August 5th. They did not have to look very hard for her. And when they took her in, she was very monotone, very matter of fact, telling the officers what happened. She told them that she gave them gummies that would make the girls sleepy so that she wouldn't have to fight them or they didn't have any energy to fight her back. She had initially shot Sharon once, but then she realized that she was still awake, still alive. She shot her the second time. Afterwards, she left the girls there dead or to die. Sure. And she called Ron and left him a terrible voicemail telling him that she had just shot both of the girls and that she was going to kill herself as well. She then went to a friend's house with the gun that she had just killed her little girls with. And it, she in the rental car, she also had two more full magazines of ammo. Dang. The detectives, because she was so matter of fact about everything that had happened, asked her, what should happen to you? And she said, death penalty. Unfortunately, that's not a thing in Virginia. Really? Right. I am shocked. Yeah. She was charged with first degree murder. She pled not guilty due to insanity. Her... Trial began in March of 2023 this year. She claimed that she heard voices that night and she feared that the kids would be mistreated or have the same misfortunes that she did when she was a child if they were to be separated, if they moved to Missouri with their dad. Mm -hmm. So the person's house that she went to that night was Manuel. Leva, and this is a person that she had been casually dating that summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. And by July, she had lost her job in nursing. And he had let her know that he wasn't ready for anything serious. He was mm-hmm. just casually dating. Right. And then on July 31st, she texted him that she was pregnant. 
Oh my goodness. So that of course lured him back to her place to right. talk this through. Sure. Because maybe things have changed now. And so on July 31st, he went over to the house to what he thought would be like to have a conversation to her about where is this going or what's going on. And when he walked up, all the lights were off and the whole house was just full of candles that were lit. He did not think that she was pregnant. There was no proof of her being pregnant even later on when all this happened. There's no records of either a you know life pregnancy or a miscarriage or anything like that he did have an attorney send his attorney sent her a letter after that july 31st meeting saying you cannot have contact with my client uh good and the next so after he sent had his attorney send her that letter the next time that he saw her was on the night that she killed her children when she showed up to his front door with a gun in hand and said, you know, let me in. He said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no. He showed her, she showed him the gun and said, here's what I just did. And he's like, I'm going to call the cops. And she's like, no, please do. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, please do. They're actually looking for me. So just call the cops. So that is how they knew. That is how they knew where she was. Wow. Oh my gosh, this girl is out of her mind. She bought the gun nine days before August 5th, which showed premeditation. It wasn't something that was a snapping type of thing or anything like that. Um, I mean, she didn't already have the gun and it was just in the house already. She bought the gun nine days before. Right. Um, The jury went out to deliberate. They came back saying that she was not insane at the time of murder and they found her guilty. Um, so she is, um, again, there's no death row, um, but she is uh, life in prison for killing her two daughters. So her motivation was, I don't know what the fuck it was. I, I, <laughs> exactly. I mean, like the, that's the jealousy? biggest question I have. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. Uh, vindictiveness revenge right yeah didn't want him to you know have his cake and eat it too by having the daughter with him um it's just in a 60 a 15 year old and a five-year-old babies both babies and for a mother to do that yes it just leaves me absolutely flabbergasted and so angry anytime I hear about stories like this it's just like I I do not understand how parents kill their children yeah and it's just wild I don't understand it and not that there ever is a good reason for it but in any of the cases when it comes up it's like you should have just fucking killed yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, she kept talking about that too, you know, and I think yeah. it was just for like attention that she even said that because you didn't need to drive anywhere else to do that if you were going to do that. And I'm not saying go on, like, go kill yourself either. No, but God, don't go, don't go kill your babies. It, it, it's just like when, when the, when hurting your children is part of it, 
And then you were also still planning on taking yourself out in the process, like just eliminate part start one. over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just start the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, do a complete 180 on, on the scenario. And yes, like you said, I'm not telling or saying, you know, encouraging yeah. anyone to go and do that to themselves, but it's just like when, when innocent lives are affected because of the instability of yeah. the people that are supposed to be loving and nur- nurturing and taking care of them, yeah. it's, uh, there are not very many things in this world that I can think of that are worse than that. Yeah. I mean, the irony of, of not wanting to hurt your children or not wanting to see your children get hurt, you know, in a different, in a circumstance that's, uh, uncomfortable and then you cause them the most, I mean, you to do that to your children. No, like you said, the irony, it's just like, it, yeah. the math does not math. No, it does not make any no any and sense. I, and correction to the sentence. I apologize. It's not life, but it might as well might as well be. Uh, it was seventy eight years in prison, and she was thirty eight at the time of sentencing this year. So uh, that would put her at one hundred and sixteen years before um, years old before she would be yeah eligible. So um, basically. Yeah, I mean, she asked for the death penalty, and honestly, I think they should have made an exception. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's what you would like. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I am really, really surprised that Virginia does not have the death penalty. It's uh, yeah. I just make the naive assumption that anywhere in the southern hemisphere of the united states is like super gung-ho on capital punishment (laughs) yeah when um her let me see if i can find i'm trying to find the 911 call of her daughter um oh my god she's so heartbreaking she did not even want to be on she didn't want to be in the room when it was being played out loud which i'm like tough shit oh Um, veronica didn't want to be in the room right she didn't want to be in the courtroom when they when they played this out loud and i'm like god like too bad too fucking bad yeah oh my gosh those poor babies let me see if i can yeah well great case um those are some of my least favorite to hear about yeah. anything that involves children just absolutely makes my skin crawl it makes me want to hold on to my baby and cry yep. <laughs> um but yeah that that's pretty wild that's yeah. bonkers yeah. crazy well <sighs> i think yeah. that's all that we have for you guys today thanks for hanging out with us as always and like fatina has been mentioning we'll be getting on the social medias bringing you guys a little bit more um steady content especially when we release episodes and stuff like that um but nonetheless don't be a stranger and we will catch you on the next episode okay bye bye